We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I am Jason Pat. I do not have my normal co-host, Ricky O'Donnell, here today. Uh, he is off doing some things with some friends, whatever. He's bail- bailing on the super important Bulls game against the Nets tonight. Uh, basically playing for their life and given us as Bulls fans and what we've been through the last few years, we of course knew that it was going to turn out poorly. I was kind of hoping that it would go better, but the Bulls lose one, let me, what was this final score? 115 to 107. Uh, it was never really that close. Like it was another one of those games where like the Nets just kind of comfortably went for a while. And the Bulls did make some pushes in the fourth quarter. I don't know if the Nets were even like trying to win in that fourth quarter. Like KD was out for a while. The, the Nets were running like a, a bench lineup for a while and the Bulls were playing starters because Obviously, they're, uh, they were playing for their playoff lives. They got to within, I think, five or six at one point, just but never quite able to get over that hump. Uh, Zach Levine, incredible game, 41 points, 15 to 27 shooting, 6-11 from three. Uh, but he just did not get any help. Nikola Vucevic, rough game. I know his overall stats, he had a couple of late threes to kind of keep the Bulls alive that, and ended up with 12, 12, and six, but only five of 18 from the field. Couldn't take advantage of a of a smaller Nets team that was starting Blake Griffin at center. Um, Kobe White, he had a couple late threes, two garbage time threes, but he was six of 17. So he really struggled throughout much of the night. So Zach just got very little help. He was, like I said, incredible much of the night, hitting high degree of difficulty shots. But um, it was just a game where the Nets were on fire from the start. It really wasn't that close. The Bulls hung around kind of because of Zach's shot making. Kyrie Irving did go out with, he got hit in the face, took an elbow to the face from Nikola Vucevic uh, and left the game. So I thought maybe that that could give an opening. Uh, KD didn't even have that huge of a game. He led the Nets with 21, but they had eight guys in double figures. So very balanced scoring for the for the Nets here. And this loss dropped the Bulls to 29 and 40 on the season. And coupled with the Indiana Pacers pulling off a win against the Sixers tonight, the Sixers did not have Joel Embiid on the six and the Pacers had a huge fourth quarter to get a win. The Pacers are now in. The Bulls cannot catch them. The only way the Bulls can make the play in now is to go 3-0 in these last three games against the Raptors, who are tanking. They put, then the Nets again on Saturday. The Nets could have James Harden for that game, possibly. And then the Bucks on Sunday. 
The Wizards uh, would have to go uh, winless. They play the Hawks again tomorrow, and then they play the Cavs and the Hornets. You figure with Russell Westbrook there, even with Beal out, the Wizards will probably win at least one game. The Bulls will probably lose at least one more game. So for all intents and purposes, this Bulls season is basically over, barring a major miracle. A Certainly a bummer. They they did come into this game on a three-game winning streak. They could just never get that four-game winning streak going. It's uh, super unfortunate, but... I mean, there's not even that much like to say about this game, like in general. I mean, just the Nets, they came out on fire. The Bulls really had no answers. I didn't even think the Bulls played like that poorly. Again, they didn't shoot very well. Like they got, I thought they got decent. They ran decent offense. They got a bunch of good shots. Zach did hit some tough shots, but I mean, the Nets are just a better team, uh, even without Harden, without without Kyrie Irving for that second half. I mean, KD did his thing with 21, he had eight assists. Was kind of he was just kind of letting the offense come to him. The Nets racked up like 20 some assists in the first half, and the Bulls just didn't have enough offense. They were just too, they fell short, uh, and it looks like they're going to fall short this season. Uh, without Ricky here, I do have our, my guys Kevin Ferrigan and Stefan Noe with me here. Uh, I'll start with you, Kevin. Thoughts on this game? Thoughts on basically, I guess, this Bulls season? I know we've you've obviously been on this pod a lot with us here talking. Uh, it's just where, where's your head at tonight after this after this loss? Basically, basically put the nail in the coffin for the team. Well, I, um, I I had said the last time I was on the show that the season was over, um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think that that is, uh, you know, it's not officially true yet, but it feels more and more true all of the time. Um, I will say that uh, I, I they didn't rope me completely back in because I knew that the what the odds were, um, but the Bulls uh, stretch when Zach came back from getting COVID and finally looked like his his ankle had healed up. Um, and you know, they won those three games in a row, uh, that gave me some, some hope for next year. Um, I mean, this year has obviously been, uh, you know, kind of not what we really hoped for, um, as far as, uh, you know, I think we going into the year, we all hoped for a pretty big improvement just by virtue of getting rid of Jim Boylan and some meaningful development of, of the young guys, uh, you know, I, I think Kobe had a season where he um, was probably slightly worse this season, but they were trying him doing different things. Uh, I think if he had just been in the scorer role, he might have looked better or looked like an improved player this year. Um, but, you know, can't really know that. Uh, but I think they figured some things out with him. Uh, Lowry, again, did not improve. Basically the same guy as he's been for four years now. Hasn't really changed as a player meaningfully since his rookie season. Uh, Wendell, I don't think really improved this year. Um, and even since he's been in Orlando kind of looks like the same guy. And so, yeah, there, there wasn't really a lot of development. Um, I think Thad looked a lot better, uh, cause they used him a lot better. Uh, but you know, I, I think that we, what we expected coming into the season and, and what the season ended up being were, were very different things. Um, you know the the midseason trade to kind of reshuffle the deck and to to go all in um, on uh, Zach Levine's prime. Um, I think is uh, kind of the story of the season, and I think you know it's very different than what we all expected. I think I think a lot of us were looking at the young guys as the um, the pieces that we were going to be building around, um, and that Zach maybe was a trade chip to. Uh, put a better roster around those guys, and it was actually the the opposite. So, um, I I think that it's a a bit disappointing in that sense. Uh, but I'm I'm very happy with Zach Levine's season. He was great tonight in a must win game. 
he didn't get any help, which is again kind of the story of the season. Um, but uh, I'm excited to to see a full season of uh, Vucevic and Zach and whomever uh, Arturis and Mark Eversley are able to uh, put it around those guys to make a better fit. Before we go to stuff here, I, I guess just even just like even whatever the Bulls have Zach and Vooch, you would hope they'd make some more moves. What, what like what would be your expectations going into next season? Do you think we talked about this on our last pod, me and Ricky? Like I think the Bulls they, they should be a playoff team next year. I was like trying to like for, if, I guess if they have an eighty-two game season, I said like you would hope for like minimum like forty, maybe five wins like at a minimum. That's obviously not knowing what other moves they might make like. Uh, and you, if you mentioned like having the hope for some of these, some of these games have shown for next season, obviously not as much tonight, but like, even if they don't make any, like say they don't make any like drastic moves, but they make some moves around the margins. Like what would be your expectations going into next season? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you would expect them to be better. Uh, obviously I think the Zach and Booch two man game is, is really good. Um, I, I think that expecting 45 wins might be, um, well, I, I guess if we're talking 82 game season versus now, uh, yeah, 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 I'm trying to think of what the equivalent of 29 and 40 is on an uh, 82 game scale, and I, it's escaping me right now. I used to be so good at math. <laughs> I I am not as good as I used to be. Uh, but in any case, I think that like that's still a pretty significant jump without it would be yeah. roster improvements, and I, I get that Vooch is is an improvement, um, but uh, Vooch is like probably maybe like a, a plus three, plus four player per 100 possessions. Um, and I think Wendell was probably something like, um, you know, plus plus one, uh, maybe plus, uh, yeah, about plus one, I would say. So I, I think the difference between those two players, you know, uh, per 100 is probably like two, three points. Um, and that, like, just making that change uh, on its own for the whole season isn't enough to make like a, you know, 10 game uh, leap in the, the win column. So you'd need improvements from Kobe. You'd need it fairly significant improvements from um, Pat will, and you'd have to have some really good moves around the margins. Um, and then there's like the whole cap situation. Uh, right. they, it's going to be complicated for them to make improvements without also losing guys that were contributors this year. So I don't know. I mean, 45 wins is, um, I, I mean, it's obviously the goal and that's what they're shooting for. They're, they're trying to be a middle of the pack playoff team, which I'm fine with. Like I, my, like the, uh, the Knicks, you're like, you're hoping that they do like the Knicks did this season, I guess, basically like that's similar like track. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that uh, Zach and Vooch are better than like the, the two, that tandem is better than, you know, the Knicks tandem of, uh, Julius Randle plus whoever. Um, but uh, I think Tibbs is a significantly better coach yeah, than Billy Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, there's, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? Is that you try to, you try to um, max out, max out your guys' primes, uh, the stars that you have. Hopefully um, you can get yourself to being competitive for a home playoff series. And then, you know, maybe, uh, in a couple of years, you of being a, a competitive playoff team, you can attract another star when the um, the salary cap uh, aligns, uh, and I think that's that's got to be the hope. But also, I mean, it, it's just it's fine to just like want to have a team that wins more games than it loses and um, plays meaningful games in uh, in the playoffs. Like I, I, that's that's a fine thing to to aim for. I think that people that 
um, our championship or bust are, are very misguided um, <laughs> because uh, one, you can build a championship team through the middle that way. Um, I mean, that's what the Raptors did. It's what the Dallas Mavericks did. It's, you know, a bit harder, um, but like also the Nets built what is their championship team by building a competitive team in a, in a glamour market and uh, then uh, counting on stars to come want to be part of that culture. Uh, and so, you know, there's lots of different ways to, to do it. And I think with the, the lottery odds being what they are and with the Bulls having traded away their lottery picks, like um, it doesn't really, uh, it's not, it's not like the tanking isn't like, I think the best way to build anymore. I think that they, the way that they've changed the lottery odds um, really makes that uh, a much more dangerous proposition to the extent that it was ever, you know, kind of a sure thing to, to try to, which it wasn't, uh, to try to win through the lottery. Yeah, absolutely. And just now that you brought up the lottery odds, I will bring that up. The Bulls are in the number eight slot right now. That is a 26.3% chance to keep that top four pick that they have traded to Orlando. 6% chance at number one overall. The Raptors are two games whatever ahead of them, behind them, or however you want to say it. The Bulls play the Raptors on Thursday. The Raptors are tanking. I would guess the Bulls beat the Raptors on Thursday, most likely. Uh, so the Bulls will probably probably stay at eighth. The, the Kings are a game and a half up, two losses, two different losses, and uh, two loss difference in the loss column. I can't speak English here. Uh, so it looks like the Bulls are probably going to stick in this eighth spot. Eighth spot, twenty six point three percent, six point zero percent for number one. Uh, let's go to Steph here. Uh, thoughts on I guess tonight's game, or even just this last stretch of games, and again looking towards the future here. If you've seen anything with what Billy's done, with what Zach Vooch and Kobe have done. Uh, and just like where, how you see this projecting out into the future? Well, I thought they played pretty good tonight. I mean, you have to keep in mind that the Nets are a really good team. If you if yeah. you look on various gambling sites, they're the number one uh, team for like odds of winning the championship. They're actually like more than twice as favored as the next closest team, the Lakers. So the Bulls had to play. I mean. Pretty much a perfect game, and they finally got a bad game from Vucevic, who's been extremely steady since they got him in this trade. It's just really unfortunate timing, but uh, just to hang in there with him, what was he, like 5 of 18 or something? I mean, he was like, yeah. he just couldn't make a shot, so to even make it close, I thought was about as good as you could hope for again. Um, yeah, and I wanted to answer one of the questions you posed to Kevin about... Uh, just what I think of this team next year. I think that's where yeah. most people want to focus at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, 45 wins you posed to Ricky. I think that that's pretty reasonable. Like if you look at, I, I was looking it up while uh, Kevin was talking, their net rating since the trade is like a minus 1.4. So that corresponds in an 82 game season to about 37 wins. But you have to keep in mind that uh, they were missing Zach for most of those games, you know? And then also, they didn't play particularly well in the beginning of that trade because they had zero practice time. So I think right. that they've played uh, incrementally better and better, especially like tonight. I thought that, um, you know, like their defensive performance in the first half was just by like how many points they gave up. It wasn't very good, but I thought they were actually, I mean, the, the Nets were just, they're such a good team at hitting tough shots. Um, so a lot of those shots that they were hitting were contested. I thought the Bulls played pretty well, and they've definitely made a lot less mistakes just in terms of like totally missing assignments than they did right after the trade. And of course, there was a streak of whatever, like three games 
prior to this one where they held opponents to less than 100 points. I mean, if you look at their defense, it's really good. It's like uh, entering this game as 13th in the league, which I think nobody would have expected when they were, you know, uh, very solidly in like the bottom third of the league for most of the beginning of the year. So I, I think that, um, yeah, they've definitely trended in the right direction. I mean, you always take that with a grain of salt with these Bulls teams because the ends of these seasons are just so wonky and we see so many crazy things. And oftentimes that does not carry over into the next season. But I think that uh, there actually are reasons to think that those positive trends will carry over just because uh, like the Bulls have been doing a lot of different stuff schematically too. Uh, they've been doing a lot of different stuff with rotations. They, they've just had tons of different personnel. So when there's like a actual reason that you can point to for the changes in uh, the numbers, then I think that's like um, you can have a little bit more faith that it's not just like random block or like, um, you know, teams throwing out their scrubs or whatever, just like weird, yeah. you know, like not competitive, uh, like no playoff implications basketball. So I think that is like a, all of these things, you know, the fact that they a have not, played terribly since the trade B that it was like without Zach Levine see they're going to have like an actual time to implement strategies <laughs> like these guys haven't yeah. practiced like, barely at all and then D like they have even been improving like even without having all this practice time I think that's all like pretty positive indicators that uh, they can definitely like I think their floor is probably like a 37 win mark and I think that it's pretty reasonable that they can get to like 45 wins especially you know they are going to improve the team too and Free to say. I mean, they're gonna dump like Felicio. They already dumped all these like crappy guys that uh, were on the end of the bench, like Luke Cornett and Hutchinson, that wasn't doing anything. So yeah, I think that they. I mean, I think they made the trade to be like a top six team in the East. So that should definitely be the goal. Yeah, I would agree, and I had no idea that the Bulls were actually had gotten that high in defensive rating. I'm looking at right now at NBA.com that they're 14th and out. Some other places have different numbers, but yeah, I mean, the, so the Bulls are, are a mediocre defense this year. I, I, I hadn't really been keeping up on that, and I had no idea. I know like these last couple of games have definitely helped because, uh, you said they've played, been playing a lot better. Uh, they held these three straight games under 100 points, but yeah, okay, so Bulls middle of the pack team, their, their defensive rating ranking is better than their offensive rating, which is kind of interesting and not, something I did not even realize. So yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So obviously, a lot of people. Like Kevin was talking about the championship or bust thing, and like, I mean, obviously, we've talked about that. And, uh, and it would be great if the Bulls can get like a high, if they get lucky in the lottery and they get like another star to go with them there. But like, I think after four years, just like, of I mean, losing basketball. I, I've I said this stat multiple times that the Bulls have gone four straight years now since trading Jimmy Butler without actually being over five hundred. I hope, for God's sake, that that ends next season. The Bulls can actually get over five hundred. I just want to see a competitive team. I and I I tweeted this out like a week or two ago. I think after the Knicks beat the Bulls' ass, like the Knicks have been such a joy to watch as like as just like a team. I know they had the Bulls. I think will have higher expectations next year than the Knicks did coming into this year. But like when you just have a team like that, young team on the rise. I know the Bulls will be a bit more uh, veteran heavy with Zach and Vooch, but like. I just like want to be able to watch consistently good basketball. And like we saw it at times this year, like, I had a, like the first half of the year when Zach was like really going off all the time, like there were some fun moments and some fun games. They just didn't really 
consistently win. They, they, they came close. Then, like, leading up to the trade was brutal. Like, they had some really bad losses. And then, obviously, after the trade, just everything was kind of a mess. I think, Steph, you, you brought up, like, the practice time thing. I really do think, like, that is, like, just getting a full training camp after making some more personnel moves. Full training camp, hopefully next season, back to basically normal. Like, all whatever, fans back in the stands fully having actual practice time if they make some savvy moves whether whether they're big whether they're small like I really do think that will help this team because I I think I do think the Levine Vucevic duo just can be really dangerous and we did see some of that we even saw some of that with Kobe as well I know Kobe did not play well tonight we obviously have been very frustrated with Kobe I know both of you guys have been frustrated with him all season but like uh, I feel like the last couple games he's I guess tonight he did have a few really ill-advised drives where he was getting packed by like Katie and Nick Claxton at the rim. But I feel like he played a bit more under control lately, at least somewhat. At least, at least I don't know what you guys think about that, but playing more is like that catch and shoot role. Tonight he was not hitting as much the catch and shoots as much, but uh, just like playing off Vucevic. I, I think Steph, you tweeted this just like uh, just when they were pounding the ball into Vooch and you saw like the Nets when they were going to double team and Kobe just spotting up off him and like. Being pa- and Vooch is a patient player in the post, and he makes passes out. And those are the types of looks that he can take advantage of. And uh, I mean, that's that's uh, a pathway to him being uh, a useful player if the Bulls do keep him around. Ricky brought that up on our last pod. Just like if he's just gunning threes, and if he can get that three point percentage up into the high thirties, like that's a way for him to at least stick around the league for a while. Uh, Steph, if you want to say thoughts on Kobe and how he's played lately, because I know that's obviously been a big thing. He, he's been playing at least a little better, even if tonight he wasn't as good. Yeah, I think Kobe is never going to be a playmaker. He's not going to be a guy that creates for creates shots for other people on the court. But like you said, I mean, uh, Billy Donovan said this the other day that their offense is predicated, and this is all NBA offenses. It's a simple concept. It's just predicated on somebody on the team drawing two defenders. And then once that happens, you get the defense off balance, you find the open man. So all Kobe needs to do is literally just throw the ball to Vooch on the block, which, uh, yeah, I tweeted out a play where he did that on a, on a out of bounds play. Um, wait for the help to come. Cause if you single cover Vooch, uh, I mean, he's just, he's going to score. So teams have to bring help. And then, uh, yeah, all he has to do is catch the ball and shoot it. Uh, and yeah, you guys have talked about this. Uh, pretty at length on your podcast. Like that should be his role, right? That's what he's good at. I looked it up uh, during the game. He's like a 38% shooter this year on catch and shoot threes, which is pretty good on, on very high volume, shooting like five per game. Same thing with uh, when he's playing with Zach, you know, just hand Zach the ball, like get the hell out of the way <laughs> and <laughs> wait for Zach to collapse like five guys. Cause every time Zach drives, like uh, it's a whole sea of people that are coming after him and then just catch the ball and shoot. And that's it. I mean, it's, it's really not that hard, and um, yeah, every time that they have asked him to do something beyond that, it's been pretty disastrous. But that's fine, you know. Like, really, all that they need from him is they don't have a lot of guys that are like very good catch and shoot three point shooters like that. So that is very valuable for them, and they need people like that. That's the one skill they need if they're going to have people slotting in with Zach and Vooch because you want those guys uh, with the ball in their hands most of the time. So. I think that's a perfect role for him. I think it doesn't make any sense to ever ask him to try to play make. And he could be very good in that role. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Kev, uh, have you warmed up to Kobe at all these last couple of weeks where he's played at least a little better? I don't, unless this is just like him doing the same thing as last year where he caught fire at the end of the year and then just like next year will be the same, like inconsistent stuff. Do you think do you think he's maybe found something here with Zach and Vooch, if any of this will translate over? Um, well, I, you know, I've been pretty critical of Kobe, but I, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I, I'm not – I don't have any problem with Kobe, the, the person, and, I, you know, his – his play style has uh, frustrated me at times, but it's really hasn't been his fault. Like he caught fire at the end of the season um, last year because he was primarily just getting buckets. And like, that is what Kobe White is good at. Like he can really shoot the ball and uh, he can push pace in transition and, and get points that way. Um, but, you know, dribbling in the half court decision-making in the half court, um, you know, maybe he gets better with those things over time, but like, I am, uh, very bearish on his ability to get to being like a, a real plus plus guy on those things. Um, I, I, you know, if he could get to even just be being, you know, league average as a guard on half court decision-making, uh, when, when he makes a dribble, that would be uh huge, but, um, that'll take some time. And in the meantime, you want to, you still want to be winning games. And if Kobe wants to get playing time, I think like the right thing is for him to develop that stuff in the off season. Um, and, uh, in the meantime, when he's on the court, uh, he needs to be catching and shooting like, uh, you know, you mentioned and like Stefan was talking about. Um, and so, I mean, I, it's not so much that I think that like he, um, that he, is just doing what he did last year and going off against teams that don't care. I think what happened last year is that he was doing the things that he's good at last, last year down the stretch. And uh, this year he's kind of been put back in that same sort of role where he's just being asked to score um, and not even, uh, you know, really do very much self-creation. Um, and I think like the other thing that I was going to say is that uh, to Stefan's point about like how, you know, pretty much all, NBA offense is based on creating an advantage that draws um, the attention of two defenders and then moving the ball to the open man. Um, you know, I, I think that's one thing that like next year I would like to see, um, you know, with a full off season, I would like to see uh, Billy come in with a plan to stagger Zach and um, Vooch. Uh, so yeah. they do get plenty of time together. Um, cause that two man game should be really deadly, but like there shouldn't be, you have two all-stars now and two all-stars that draw 
um, that draw doubles consistently because they are both so dangerous scoring the ball. You need to uh, leverage that as much as possible. And, um, you know, that would also helps keep Kobe in the right size role of being more of a catch and shoot guy off of like as a play finisher off of the advantages created by your two real stars. Um, now, some of that will depend on what they do in the offseason in terms of who they're able to get. If they got somebody like uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, like he's a guy that um, in the right situations can create advantage uh, and draw, maybe not draw double teams, but uh, collapse a defense with uh, with his drive and um, with the threat of his, his uh, pull-up shooting. Um, he's a little... Uh, similar to Zach in terms of strengths and weaknesses, but having two of those guys is uh, not necessarily the worst thing. I think he's, a, you know, obviously a bit better defender than Zach, but um, you know, they're both better with the ball in their hands and um, Zach's obviously a much better shooter, but uh, Dinwiddie's, you know, not a bad shooter either. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they only, if they only uh, sign like role guys to fit around Zach and Vooch, um, you got to stagger their minutes, I think, more so than than was done um, for large portions of uh, the post uh, trade part of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of the uh, like role guys and other young players in this bowl team, let's talk about Pat here for a second. Now I want to ask you to the question that our guy C Red Fred asked uh, me and Ricky on our last pod, and that was after their respective rookie seasons, who were you higher on? Patrick Williams or Lowry Markin? Obviously, Lowry has turned into a disaster. I think we all think that he is a goner. Uh, I guess I'll just bring up tonight. He hit a few threes, but again, I mean, you just kind of 11 points, four of eight shooting, three of seven from three. He did absolutely nothing else. Uh, he's playing a bunch of small forward again, just weird stuff. Like, And I was my answer was Lowry to this question because I was super high on Lowry uh, after his rookie season. I feel like he played pretty well under Fred. He showed a lot, and then he just never got better. I think, I think Kevin, I think you mentioned this at the top. It's like he just has not gotten better. He's like, I mean, he's arguably he's gotten worse. Like he just, he's now basically just purely like a spot up shooter. Like he gets open a few times, like running off screens. Like tonight, the, def- the Nets fell asleep a few times, and he got wide open shots off the race. But he literally does nothing else. Just hasn't been there, and which has just been, which is so disappointing. And we look at Pat. Like Pat had it all, had a bad game tonight. He was basically invisible. He hit one mid range shot and hit one three pointer uh, after. Uh, off a brilliant pass from Daniel Tice. Uh, he had five points, only took two shots in 23 minutes. He was a minus 16, did have two blocks, but also tur- two turnovers, only one rebound, no assist, no steal. So basically a disaster of a night for Patrick Williams. And obviously the big talking point with him has been just like, he's got to be more aggressive. They got to get him more involved uh, in the offense. But yeah, so let's first of all, just like answer that question. Steph, who were you higher on after the rookie season, Pat or Lowry? I was really high on Lowry, especially after he dominated that uh, Eurobasket tournament. So probably him, but I'm also very high on Pat Will. But uh, I want to ask you guys something, too. We're kind of talking about this in Mark K's Bulls HQ Discord about Billy as a player development guy this year. And I kind of feel like he's done Patrick Williams a disservice. Uh, Also Kobe White, just like throwing these guys into roles that they're not at all prepared for. Like, I think Kobe playing well right now has nothing to do with the fact that he was a left-play point guard in the beginning of the year. Like, I think that really hurt his confidence, actually, and he didn't learn anything in particular from just, like, getting destroyed in that role. And now, you know, he's been a lot better just because they've changed his role, not because 
of that experience. And then with Patrick Williams too, like, I mean, he was guarding Kevin Durant tonight and Durant was just roasting him. He's guarded all these, uh, really top scorers. And I mean, he's had, he's had times where he has looked okay, but for the most part, he's looked overmatched. And again, like I'm really high on Patrick Williams. I think he's going to be a very good player. I'm very excited about him, but just doesn't make sense to me to uh, keep on trotting him out against like the best players in the NBA, you know, like <laughs> literally uh, every time the bulls play somebody in the top 20, it's like, okay, Pat, like go score on them and go shut them down. And I just think it would make way more sense to play him in second units against bench players that are not as talented so that he can figure out ways to score. I mean, he's already taking a huge leap going from high school two years ago to college last year to now he's playing against like the 450 best players in the world. And actually he's only playing against like the 20 best players in the world, the way the Bulls are using him. So I don't know. I mean, like I'm, I'm not a guy that thinks that like players just get better by throwing them out there. I I know some people believe that, but I believe that it needs to be a lot more structured. And um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you guys would think if you think Billy's doing the right thing there, or you think he would be better served playing against weaker matchups. Uh, I'll just bring it. First of all, I know Ricky has, I feel like has criticized Billy for using Pat. And he said, he's always talked about how he thinks Pat needs to have offensively, at least just like do a little bit more with the ball, not just be like an off ball spot up guy and how that's kind of just like turned him. I mean, how some of it's just him. He does have to be more aggressive, but how just like Billy's used him hasn't really been the best in those comments uh, that allegedly Billy is like telling him not to shoot mid range, even though he's really good at it. Like he's got a really nice mid range shot and he's been kind of trying to coach that out of him supposedly I think something like that like maybe not the best and um I mean with these other guys I mean I, I think Kev was kind of going through the guys at the start of the year like guys just really haven't gotten better so like you you do have to like question I guess the player development this season like obviously Zach is taking a leap but I don't think that has anything to do with Billy Donovan uh Lowry hasn't gotten better Wendell didn't get better like Kobe hasn't really gotten that much better either so uh, I think it's at least fair to fair to wonder on that and with Pat himself uh, the, yeah, I mean, he's literally, like you mentioned, he literally has guarded, like, the best guys. And he, I mean, he was guarding Devin Booker that one game. Like, and, I mean, he, the, he, like, he should not be guarding uh, star shooting guards. Like, that's just, like, putting that, that's putting him in a legit bad position. And, like, Devin Booker was roasting him all night long. Like, it's tough enough to guard, obviously, like, the big wing guys. Uh, that's probably more his speed, like, down the road. But, like, he's also, they're also having him guard Devin Booker. I mean, part of that is also probably just, like, the Bulls roster construction not actually having, like, legitimate... I think I think Garrett Temple might have been out that game, so like they just like didn't have many guys that could they could actually throw on him. So it's basically here you go, Patrick Williams, take these assignments, like you said, stuff. Uh, so that probably has not helped either. But Kev, uh, I'll throw it over to you now for this. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I've been pretty critical of Billy on a, on a lot of things, and I'm tempted to to be critical of him here as well because like. Like I was saying earlier, like there wasn't really a lot of development. Um, I don't know that I can really hold Lowry not developing because yeah, he might uh, whatever <laughs> uh, against him. And then like Wendell, I don't know, man. What Wendell is like, uh, and I'm starting to worry that Pat might be a little bit like this. Um, but Wendell is just would get in his head so easily, uh, and you know, you know, part of coaching obviously is re- being able to reach different player types. Um, but you know, at some point it is on the player to be able to be a a, a next play kind of guy. Um, and I, but I I will say that I I don't like that, uh, the bulls, um, have 
you know, basically tried to force Kobe into being a point guard when he's, you know, anybody that's watched this team a lot uh, could tell you that Kobe does not have a point guard skill set. Um, I think anybody that had watched Kobe his entire uh, high school and college career could tell you that he, he wasn't really a point guard. Um, he, he's a bucket getter, and that's fine. There's a place for that guy in the league, um, especially when he's as good at catch and shoots as as Kobe is. Um, but uh, so that just seemed really misguided to me. I mean, I guess I, I understand it to a certain extent because he was a seventh overall pick. But like, also, um, the whole point of bringing Karnaschovas was kind of to not get caught with the sunk cost fallacy of like you invested these resources in this player try to force him to be better than he is like or or be something that he that he's not just because the roster needs it and I feel like that's kind of what's happening to Pat too is like they need a wing stopper so let's put the 19 year old rookie out there because he's the closest uh physical facsimile we have to a wing stopper and it's just like he's not ready for that um and I mean it fortunately it doesn't seem like he's you know lost a ton of confidence at least defensively but like I don't know if that um getting consistently roasted defensively has impacted his confidence on offense because he's had way too many games where he just does not get shots up and his usage rate for a guy with you know the the talent that he has offensively like he's got little flip shots he's got you know the strength to muscle uh smaller players um down low at times he's uh got a pretty good handle for his size he can he can shoot threes and his little pull-up game is is pretty effective and um you know he he has flashes of a uh a star um in terms of offensive profile but there he's not going to develop those things uh taking you know four or five shots a game um, and w- because he's playing with the starters and having to play against players that are just way better than him right now. Um, and I, I agree with what Stefan was saying about how you don't just throw guys out there and expect them to get better. Like that's not really how development works. And I, I feel like I've said this before, but like with, um, I think you put guys in a role and as they develop their skill set, you will let them expand the role. Um, but to get them floor time, you have to put them in a, a sort of structured environment that allows them to excel at what they're good at. Like when Jimmy Butler was a rookie, all the Bulls did was have him uh, hang out in the dunker spot and cut um, and play really hard defense. And so he got lots of uh, easy dunks and got fouled a lot and, uh, you know, earned his his keep on defense. And... Um, you know, he wasn't playing starters minutes. He was he was playing uh, bench minutes. And, you know, obviously Pat was a much more important draft pick being number four pick versus Jimmy was number 30. But it's just to say that, like, you – he's 19. You don't want to, like, break his confidence um, by throwing him out there against LeBron, Kawhi, and KD um, and just letting him get torched. Um, even though those guys did say some nice things about him. Uh, you know, it, it still hurts to to watch bucket after bucket go in. Um, and also just from the perspective of like, they clearly wanted to win games this season, like throwing a 19 year old rookie um, to the wolves was probably not the, not the, the move if you actually wanted to win games. It was very interesting that he did start the year as the starter. Like we all assumed that Otto Porter Jr. would be the starter at small forward. And they only went with Patrick Williamson as 
kept him. I think kept him there the whole year. Has he started every game this season? He missed it, one game. He hasn't. It's okay, yeah, but it's been like close. Otherwise, I think every game he's played, he's basically started. So like they haven't. They, they benched Kobe and Wendell. They benched other guys and uh, benched Lowry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's played sixty whatever sixty eight games now, and he has started every single one of them. So it is interesting that all, all these other lineup changes that they've made that. They have kept him in that starting lineup. He's played 28 minutes a game. Uh, it, like if you look at like his shooting like percentages, like they've stayed like pretty consistent all across the entire season. Obviously, the volume has been super low, and that's been a problem. But like he's been right around this like 48, 49 percent overall, and like 37, 38, 39 percent from three. Like so, he's been like super consistent. It's just a matter of just getting more out of him for sure. Uh, to answer the uh, the other question that that uh, Stefan pivoted us uh, to this question from. Um, about who I was more into. Um, I think that I probably am still slightly higher on Pat than I was on Lowry, um, just because I wasn't super high on Lowry as a draft pick, and I was still bitter about the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, (laughs) And, um, I mean, that hasn't changed. But um, I was a little bit higher on Pat um, after the draft. I didn't know a lot about him coming in because I just didn't expect him to go for. Um, But, you know, uh, listening to people like P.D. Webb, um, talk about him. Um, PD is uh, at above the break three on uh, Twitter. Very good draft follow if you guys don't follow him. Um, but he, uh, I think, came either on this show or on Mark's show and talked about Pat and um, had written a bunch about him and said that, you know, uh, if he was the Wolves, he might have considered taking him number one. So, um, you know, from that perspective, it's a bit disappointing uh, just from a developmental uh, perspective because. It really wasn't a great year, but like also all rookies are varying degrees of bad typically, especially 19 year old rookies. So I'm trying not to overreact to it too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see him used a bit differently unless he comes back with like, you know, a completely different um, set of skills uh, in the after the offseason, which he might because he is a, you know, a very hard worker and even between his season at Florida state and um, the start of the season uh, he came, came in with some additional uh, I think tightness to his, to his handle and uh, his, his jumper was definitely more consistent. Um, and I think he he had sped up the release, which he still needs to speed up a, a bit yeah, more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've been going for a while here, actually longer than I thought. Uh, I really don't have much else here. If anyone else wants to, Make a comment. I see our guy Mark in there. If you want to come up here, if you want to speak, uh, I got not much else. Obviously, again, uh, talking about the Bulls' loss and the Bulls basically being uh, on the brink of elimination here. Again, they have to win out, and the Wizards have to lose out for the Bulls to make the play-in game. And the Wizards play the Cavs in a couple of days, so that's probably not going to happen. The Bulls will probably lose at least one more game as well. So uh, I basically got nothing else here. Uh, Kevin and Steph, thank you guys so much for. Uh, joining me up here and uh, kind of filling in for Ricky. Uh, I believe, like I said, the Bulls do play on Thursday against the Raptors, and the Raptors are tanking. Uh, I believe the Wizards play against the Hawks tomorrow, so the Bulls could be eliminated by the time they play. Uh, The Bulls play the Raptors on Thursday. I think we are probably going to do another one of these locker room pods on Thursday after the Raptors game, whether the Bulls are eliminated or not. Uh, might as well, if they are, wrap up the season and all that fun stuff. But maybe they'll still be alive going into the weekend. We will see. But uh, thanks for the, uh, the listeners, Kevin and Steph. Thanks again for you guys for coming up here uh, for us here at Cash Considerations. Uh, if you missed some of this, you want to go back and listen later, uh, this will be up in our feed. 
uh, later tonight. Uh, as always, you can find us wherever you listen to your pods, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network, as always, with a bunch of other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Uh, so thanks again, guys. Bull season looking like it's, looking like it's dead. But uh, we'll, 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 we'll stay podcasting, and hopefully this will be an exciting offseason. They make these big moves to the trade deadline. AK said he wasn't done. So even if this season did is ending on a disappointing note, hopefully we have a fun offseason to look ahead to. We'll see if the Bulls will keep this draft pick, assuming that, uh, in the lottery and the number eight right now. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time, guys, and have a good night. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.